Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 63. Welcome to EntrepreneurOnFire.com, where remarkable entrepreneurs share their inspiring story. Let their journey illuminate your path to success. And now, your host, John Dumas. Fire Nation, have you ever thought that you'd like to start a podcast but don't have the time, knowledge, or skills? All you need to do is record an MP3, send it to my team, and we do the rest. Visit www.podplatform.com to find out more. And a big thank you today to our sponsor, Braden Kelly. Curious about what it takes to innovate? Then you must visit innovationexcellence.com, the world's most popular innovation website. People from over 170 countries visit innovationexcellence.com every month to browse more than 5,000 articles from more than 300 contributing authors. Read the latest case studies, interviews, and inspiration on innovationexcellence.com today. Okay, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Dan Miller. Dan, are you prepared to ignite? Man, let's set something on fire, John. All right, Dan. Dan is the president of 48 Days LLC, which specializes in creative thinking for increased personal and business success. He believes that meaningful work blends our natural skills and abilities, our unique personality traits, and our dreams and passions. Given Fire Nation a little overview, Dan, but why don't you take a minute, tell us about you personally. We want to get to know you, and then tell us a little bit about your business. Hey, I'd be delighted to. Happy to be with you today, John. I love what you bring to the table, and I love your tagline, just the entrepreneur on fire. What a great visual image. <laughs> Thank you. I grew up I grew up as a poor farm kid. Sounds like a Steve Martin setup or something, yeah. but no, I, I, I really did. We were it, it really, really poor. I mean, I remember when we had one cow that we milked by hand. Well, my dad was bivocational. He pastored a little tiny church in town, and then we were farmers to keep food on the table. And sometimes there wasn't much of that. But I grew up very quickly thinking, you know, there's got to be better options than this. So I became a voracious reader. And in doing so, it opened my mind to a, a whole new world out there of possibilities. And I just kept following those possibilities. Went, kept going to school, went to college and graduate school just to increase my options. But I knew from the day I was able to think introspectively that I was an entrepreneur I mean, I was somebody who would see how things ought to be done differently, how things could be done better. And so I, I've always taken full responsibility for my results. And in doing so, I've never really looked to some, for somebody else to give me a handout or even a, a job. And in that path, have just had an amazing run of uh, fun things that I've been able to do. Now, they may not all be tri- tied together, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't until I was about 45 years old that I realized people were coming to me repeatedly asking me, you know, can you help me understand this? Can you help me understand this transition I'm going through? Can you help me understand really what I ought to be able to do? And so it opened the door and to leverage that rather than just spending all my time repeating myself, you know, open the door to writing, speaking, coaching. And so now for quite some time, those are the things that I do primarily. So I write, speak, and coach. And those opportunities just seem to have no limits. I just find it incredible. The common trait that entrepreneurs have is just being this voracious reader when they were used. I mean, I was in love with reading when I was young. 
it's just great to hear so many entrepreneurs just really delve into books and learning at such a young age and it really just sets them up for the future. So it's just great to hear that you are of similar, Dan. Oh my gosh. I, I still, I mean, I read more and more, it seems, all the time, but I tell people often that if you want to double your success rate, the quickest way I know how to do that is to read great books. And I just, it, it, it takes too long to learn on our own. And we can learn so quickly if we really have open minds and access the wisdom of the ages. It's already right there in front of us. Well, at Entrepreneur on Fire, we love getting the motivational ball rolling really early in the interview. You've already done that, but just the fact that you're a reader, I'm really excited to hear what you have for us for your success quote, Dan, for Fire Nation. You know, identifying one is a challenge because right. I love, love quotations. There's so many things that inspire me, but uh, it's been on my mind since our friend Zig Ziglar just died, and his kind of mantra has been at the top of my mind the last couple of days, and that is you can get anything in life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. That's a great philosophy, and that inspired me probably 25 years ago when I heard that. I thought, wow, that really is kind of the essence of what I want to do. That's a great quote for so many reasons, Dan. How do you actually apply that today in your business? Well, growing up as the son of a pastor, of course, I heard, you know, the golden rule, and it certainly is very much like that. You know, to give first, it's more blessed to give than to receive. But I found out along the way, if you give, you're going to start receiving whether you want to or not. I mean, my buddy, uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin, who wrote the book, Thou Shall Prosper, you know, says, when people ask him, does God want us to be rich? He said, God wants us to be obsessively preoccupied with serving the needs of others. Mm. End of story. He just stops there, knowing what happens if you do that. Now, this is not some manipulative kind of thing where I'm going to you know, give John something, and then I know that he's going to you know, invite me on to be his podcast guest already. It's not that kind of thing. If you really just give, it's amazing the opportunities that start showing up. Now, and I don't mean to just, you know, turn your brain off and just, you know, give away the Mercedes that you got set in the driveway. You need to be strategic and intentional about operating your life with some boundaries and a plan. But it really, I mean, I'm reaping the rewards now of things that I did 20 years ago where it shows up. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. that There was a seed started back there and now I'm reaping the rewards of that. You have to take a long time perspective. If you're impatient, that philosophy doesn't work. But if you really believe in the long term, then you see the payoff. I love that for so many reasons, Dan, because there's a Chinese proverb that I really just go to over and over again. And that's the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, but the next best time is tomorrow. And that's just such a great proverb for so many reasons, because the seeds that we literally plant today and tomorrow, 20 years from now, are really going to just have this fruition for us. And you've seen that firsthand. Absolutely. I love that proverb as well. That's a great thought. Well, Dan, let's use that to transition to our next topic because Entrepreneur on Fire, it's all about the journey of the entrepreneur. And you're our spotlighted entrepreneur today. I just am really excited to hear about your journey. You've given us some great insights already at a young age. Take us to a point in your journey when you failed or when you had a challenge or an obstacle that you just really had to overcome and then take us through how you overcame that obstacle. Well, it's uh, not difficult to find one or two or five, right. but <laughs> there's certainly one that comes to mind. And, and you know, I say that in joking because I don't trust somebody who's never had a failure. 
And it's, it's kind of like a high jumper in the Olympics. If the high jumper always clears the bar, you don't really know how good they are. It's only when they trip the bar that we have some measurement of how good that person really is. So, so I don't fear tripping the bar. It just gives me some direct feedback about, okay, you know, there's a point where if I'm going to go beyond that, I'm going to have to learn some new things. But a few years ago, and I, I, being an entrepreneur, I've done a lot of different things. I had had an auto business and an auto accessories and motorhome rentals, and then I had an opportunity to buy a health and fitness center. Well, I didn't know anything about health and fitness industry, but the bottom line looked just amazing. The cash flow of just selling people these memberships coming through. And so I bought this health and fitness center. Well, I I realized pretty quickly I didn't really have any passion for it, which should have been a red flag. But I kept in there. I made some changes too quickly that affected cash flow. And at the same time, the bank that I was dealing with changed ownership three times in two years. So all of my good old boy handshake relationships were out the window. The bank got nervous, knew ownership about some of the open lines of credit I had, called some notes, put me in a really untenable position. I ended up selling that business at public auction. And again, I wasn't real panicked along the way, but at the end of the day, I didn't have a business and I owed about $430,000. A lot of that to the IRS, which certainly isn't going to go away. No. I was uh, encouraged to file bankruptcy, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. You know, I mean, my attorney said, hey, it's a corporation. Just file bankruptcy. And, I, you know, I was, I was raised Mennonite. You know, when I said my dad was a pastor of a church, we were Mennonite. I mean, my grandparents were Amish. And if there's one thing Mennonites are known for, it's keeping their word. And I thought, golly, if I give my word to somebody and then don't keep it, gee, just dig a hole and push me in now. I'm no good. So I, I did not file bankruptcy. And I thought, I've got to figure this out. I've got to get out of this. Now here's, so I, we did lose our house, our cars. I borrowed an old rattle trap car from a friend, got a commission only sales job to start getting back on the road again. So it was a tremendous failure. I mean, I lost everything that I had accumulated and then had that severe debt on top of that. But here's really the principle in that period of time. I mean, knowing that I'm a business guy, I always thought the way to grow a business was to get bigger buildings and more employees. And in that period of time and doing some real serious research and brainstorming with other people, I discovered there are some ways to grow businesses where you don't need bigger buildings and more employees. I thought, you got to be kidding me. This is amazing. So today as a speaker, coach, and author, I mean, I leverage intellectual property. I mean, it blows my mind what we're able to do. I do I'm able to do something once and get paid 10,000 times. I mean, how many people have the privilege of doing that? So here's my point. Yes, I failed, but could I have ended up where I am today without going through that experience? So I frame failure in a different way than most people. Rather than that stopping me, I look at that and think, wow, what is this the stepping stone to? What lesson am I learning here? So it was a failure as other things along the way, and I won't bore you with all those details have been, but, but at each step, I look at it differently because I know that you can't get to success without those stepping stones that other people call failure. I love when you were just talking at the initial part of this topic and you just used the analogy about tripping the bar. That was such a great visual for me. 
And it just says so much because if you're not tripping the bar, then you're not pushing the envelope, you're not pushing your own limits, and you may really be coming up short of your potential. I mean, that is just such a great analogy on so many levels. How do you make sure right now, Dan, that you are tripping the bar every day or week or month? Golly, we're, we're right here at the end of the year, which is a period of time that I really love. I always have my goals for the upcoming year set by November 15th. But now I set big goals. I mean, there's a, uh, one of the things that Joanna and I do right before Christmas every year is go to Chicago. Just been kind of a tradition of ours. Her birthday's three days before Christmas. So we go there, the magic of the lights and all that. Well, at the base of what was the Sears Tower, it's now the John Hancock Building, Daniel Burnham, who was the architect that designed most of the, the riverfront in Chicago, says, there's a plaque there that says, make no small plans. They have no magic to stir men's souls. I love that. Yeah. Make no small plans. They have no magic to stir men's souls. And I know that's true for me. I mean, a little goal doesn't get me excited. I want a big goal. So I set big goals. I set big goals knowing that I've got probably a 50-50 chance of hitting that. I mean, if I ever had a year where I hit all my goals, I'd be mortified. <laughs> my gosh, I really set my sights too low. Right. What could I have accomplished if I had set my sights higher? So it grieves me when I see people living in that you know, twilight of mediocrity. They, they accomplish everything they set out to do because they set their goals so low. So I, I set big goals. I mean, I, I, I'm inspired by people like Richard Branson, you know, who's selling tickets to take people into space. I mean, he's not even sure how he's going to do it. But he's just that kind of guy. I mean, I'm inspired by people like that. I want to set my goals high so that they stretch me. So they take me into areas where I don't even know how in the world it's possible. But I'm going to figure out some things that most people don't figure out. That is exciting. And people jump on board when that happens. Like in Richard Branson's case, he has a waiting list of people. And he doesn't even have a viable product at this time. And it's just incredible because people just want to be a part of what he's creating because it's special because it's going to be talked about for centuries to come. And I just love that on so many levels, Dan. And it's just a perfect transition to our next topic, which is the aha moment. You were just so generous in sharing that failure and that despair moment that you've had at some point in your journey. And you even share with us a great aha moment that you have had as far as being able to leverage and really scale different products and services that you now offer. But take us to a point in your journey when you had another light bulb moment that just went off and you said, wow, this is going to resonate incredibly well with my fans, with my audience, with my potential clients. Well, you know, when I really think about an aha moment, I go back even before I had audience and fans. When I was about 13 years old, that farm kid out there you know, slinging hay bales in the heat of summer and milking cows at 530 every morning, 365 days a year. I somehow got a hold of the little audio recording by Earl Nightingale called The Strangest Secret. Yes. And here's this gravelly-voiced old man talking about we become what we think about. And I thought, wow, is it really possible for me as a poor Ohio farm kid to change my desti destiny, to change my stars, to create opportunities that don't seem to be possible for me? That was more than an aha moment. That became a foundational principle for me, that philosophy. We become what we think about. And I thought, if I can just determine, control what goes into my mind, I can give myself opportunities to go way beyond what this little farming community is offering me now. 
mean, that was an amazing aha moment. And you know, we think our ways ourselves into our own reality. I mean, what, we can go into a lot of directions there. So whether it was a real philosophy or something real change, my belief in it certainly charted the direction of my life. So I love that. I still, you know, love, love The Strangest Secret, promote that. We have it now as a beautiful little gift book here at 48 Days with an audio in the back. But that philosophy was a, definitely an aha moment for me. Phenomenal. And Dan, on that note, have you had an I've made it moment? You know, I have had the privilege of so many amazing opportunities. But uh, a couple years ago, I was invited to, to speak at the the White House Christian Fellowship. That was a pretty amazing moment. Now, I, I want to give you another one too, though. This, this, I told you already I was so impacted by The Strangest Secret, which then became the very first product of Nightingale Conant out of Chicago. Well, I became a student of theirs, just a voracious student. So I have hundreds of you know, old cassettes and then CDs of people like Earl Nightingale, Napoleon Hill, Norman Vincent Peale, Brian Tracy, Dennis Waitley, Deepak Chopra, Tony Robbins. I mean, it just goes on. I mean, it became a voracious student of that material. Well, two years ago, Nightingale Conant, I'd never had contact with them other than just being a customer, contacted me. And we've tested your material on our audience and have gotten really positive feedback. Would you be willing to come to Chicago and create a six-hour audio program called Dream Job? How to find your dream job. Boy, you talk about, and I've made it moment, to be put in the same category as what I consider those masters of achievement, that was, I, I don't know that I'll duplicate that feeling again. Just being put in the same company as those people who I had been following and learning from for so many years. I love that, Dan, because at Entrepreneur on Fire, it's all about the journey and the milestones and the I've made a moment. This question evokes so many different answers from every entrepreneur. Some entrepreneurs say that they'll never have an I've made a moment because that denotes the end of their journey. Others say they have one every single day. And for me, I just really feel like it's so important to just appreciate the accomplishments that you're having along your journey, these milestones and these major success moments that you're having. Would you say that you are truly enjoying your journey as an entrepreneur? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I absolutely love what I'm doing. You know, people say, well, golly, Dan, you know, what are you gonna, when are you going to retire? And I'm like, isn't the idea of retirement when you just get to do whatever you want to do? If that's the definition, how could I possibly change what I'm doing today? Now, I've certainly not unplugged in any way. I mean, I'm creating content like I never had before in my life. I'm speaking more than I ever have. I mean, the things that I love doing, I'm doing more than ever. But I have no intention in the horizon, on the horizon at all of just changing that. I mean, I am privileged to do exactly what I want to do. I mean, this is, uh, you know, when I get up on Monday mornings, and I wrote a book a couple years ago called No More Mondays, but when I get up on Monday mornings, I don't have that dread Oh my gosh, it's back to work again. It's like, wow, I played a little on the weekend, you know, connected with kids and grandkids and all that. And now I get to walk from my house back across the yard, back to what we call the sanctuary converted barn on our property and do what I just love doing. That is phenomenal. And you have so many exciting things going on right now in your business, many of which you've alluded to. 
But if you could just share one thing, Dan, with Fire Nation that you're just really excited about right now, what would that be? The things I've discovered in the last few years, as a lot of us have, the power of the internet, the power of leverage. I mean, we know those philosophies of physics go way back, the power of a lever. You can move the world if you get a long enough stick. I mean, it's amazing what you can do without having to live in the right place, without having to be lucky, without having to have the right connections, just by using the tools that are readily available to any of us. That power of leverage never ceases to amaze me. That's something that I'm extremely excited about as well. And I'm seeing the fruits of that labor with Entrepreneur on Fire. I mean, I just launched this podcast in September of this year, and it's a daily podcast, so I already have over 55 interviews that are live out there on the internet, with one more going every single day. And you're actually my 111th interview, Dan, and I'm just loving talking to just successful and inspiring people every single day. But not only that, being able to share it with the world and with iTunes and with Stitcher Radio and with everybody having smartphones and tablets, it's just incredible the people that are flocking to information like this for their commutes to work, for when they're working out at the gym. My podcast, Entrepreneur on Fire, is being downloaded over 100,000 times a month in over 100 countries. And it's really the 100 countries part that just shocks me when I pull the demographics up and see that every country in South America has listeners 90% of countries in Africa. I mean, it just blows my mind. And I know you're experiencing the exact same thing with 48 days. Yeah, I am. I know. That just, I I used to have a terrestrial radio show. I was on a big station, 100,000 watts out of Nashville here. But when I started putting segments of the show up on iTunes, and then I saw that we were having people in, you know, Nigeria and Ecuador, New Zealand. I think you got to be kidding me. I mean, this is an amazing phenomenon. I mean, that's why, I mean, I, I quickly completed my contract on radio, uh, never to be seen on radio again. I mean, I love radio, but in terms of leverage, what we can do with something like you're doing here with the podcast is just amazing. There just are no geographical borders at all, and I absolutely love it. Mm, I love it as well. And on that note, Dan, what is your vision for the future? Well, I've already identified I love what I'm doing. So as an author, speaker, coach, I mean, I envision doing that for a long, long time. I mean, those are things that use, I think, my best talents. They leverage my skills in the most amazing ways, leveraging both my time and my financial potential. So I, in as much as I'm always looking for new things, I mean, I use a model for our business that uses a Venn diagram. So we have three circles that are overlapped, and at one point, they all overlap. And in that point where they all overlap, that is my writing. Writing is at the core of what I do. But then we have six other components as those circles overlap, where I have six other revenue streams. We have budgets and projections, revenue projections for each of those. So it allows me a lot of fluidity, where I'm always trying something new, meaning if that one thing that I'm trying bombs or I have a failure there, it doesn't sabotage everything I'm doing. It's just one component. So it allows me a lot of opportunity to try new things. And I'm always doing that, trying things that we've never done before. And I've got a new initiative coming up right now that we're we're trying. I'm really excited about it. I'm going to invest some money in it. I don't have any guarantee that it's going to work, but I'm excited about trying it. 
So it's going to be continuing to revolve around the three core things that I do, author, speaker, coach, but doing things that are innovative. Here, here's a key, John. I mean, we know statistics tell us that 95% of authors never make more than $40,000 a year. Oh my gosh, if you're looking at generalities, that would be really discouraging. Okay, 95% of authors never make $40,000 a year. Well, then my thinking is, geez, how difficult can it be to get into the 5%? What, what if I were able to, what if I set as a goal, which I did several years ago, to make what an average author makes in a year if I did that every month? Well, it's not that complicated if you figure out how to do things differently than what most authors do. When I work with my publishers, you know, they're just blown away. I mean, we just did a book release party for my latest book. Well, publishers aren't used to seeing that. They're seeing authors, you know, standing at the door, wringing their hands saying, you know, what are you going to do for me? Can you get me a book signing on Friday night down here at Barnes & Noble where I'll sit there for three hours and hope eight people come by? I don't do those kind of things. I do things that blow my publisher's mind because we're looking to do things differently than what average authors are doing. Wow. And that just seems like that's another way for you to scale and leverage is to create a product or a service that educates authors how to do that because they are desperate to do that, obviously, if 95% of them are making 40000 or less per year. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because that's exactly that has happened as well. Over the last few years, I've had a lot of people coming to me saying, how can I do what you've done with Eight Days to the Work You Love and the other books you've written? How can I do what you've done? Well, instead of repeating myself over and over and over again, I thought, you know what? We might as well make this into an event. So we did, and it was wildly successful. Right to the bank, W-R-I-T, we do a play on words there, right to the bank, and we had sold out audience for those for the three years that we did that. Now, we morphed that into a new event. Because, and here's part of why, all of a sudden, with self-publishing and the breakup of the big publishers, it's become uh, something that everybody can do. And all of a sudden, everybody is doing workshops, semin seminars, teleseminars, and producing products on how you can get published, how you can be a published author. And I thought, well, you know what? It's time to move on. Everybody's doing that. I don't want to be in that space where everybody's doing it. So we are now doing a new event called Innovate, and I've never been more excited about an event coming up than what we're doing, Innovate. But it welcomes not only authors who want to leverage their intellectual capital, but also musicians and artists and poets, comedians, all kinds of other people who have the same issues. How can I put legs on this and do it in a creative way? So, you know, we, we do listen and then encourage others because others, most of what I've done, John, has just been simply giving people what they asked for. So when people stand in line again and say, how can I do what you've done with coaching? Will you teach me how to be a coach? Sure. So we created a coaching mastery program. And the first day we put it up, it's a pretty expensive program. The first day we put it up, we never promoted it, never told anybody about it. We had four people sign up and pay for it. And I'm like, how did they even find out about it? But, you know, we've created a community where people are looking for resources and they seem to just show up and respond to whatever we, we offer as long as we're responding to things they're asking for. It's been a pretty easy, model, easy business model in that regard. Phenomenal, Dan. You are truly leading the way. And I will now lead us into my favorite part of the show, which is the lightning round. And this is where I get to ask you a series of questions and you come back at us, Fire Nation, 
with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Does that sound like a plan? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? I was only 13 years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. There was nothing beyond that. And it didn't hold you back for long. It didn't hold me back for long. Absolutely. What is the best business advice that you ever received? You know, as an author, I heard, a, I was talking to Mark Victor Hansen, co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, just a wonderful, gracious businessman in every way. But he said, Dan, everybody wants to write a book. What I tell them is this, write your book, do a really good job. Now you're 10% finished. That was an amazing piece of advice because 90% is not writing good content like a lot of people think. 90%, I mean, you have to do that, but that's only 10%. 90% is positioning, promoting, marketing, getting people to buy what you have. That's 90%. And knowing that has allowed me to create the success that I have as an author and put me in that 5% rather than the, four, the 95% of authors who are just struggling. What is something that's working for you or your business right now? The key component, well, one of the things, I'll just stick with one thing. One of the things that is working in an amazing way is my weekly podcast. Now, I'm not doing like, like you and doing one a day. That's a <laughs> plan, but I do one a week. I love doing it. I love opening that email file on Wednesday mornings when I record that. But doing the 48 Days podcast, I mean, the responses I get, the people are more intimately connected to me than just in the written word. And they respond, take action. It creates a connection. It, it does the rapport and trust part of the selling process without me even having to do anything. But I just think it's an amazing tool. Speaking of tools, Dan, do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with Fire Nation? You know, I'm not a real techie. I, I'm a real amateur when it comes to technology. Fortunately, I've got people around me who understand it and make it do the things I want it to do. <laughs> but, but if there's one little tool that I've discovered recently, and it's really more as a dad and a granddad than as a business guy, and that's Instagram. Golly, to see grandkids in Africa, you know, three minutes after something happens, and here's a shot of what they're doing, or the kids in Colorado. I, it's just an amazing tool to just instantly, boom, I get a little beep and hear something that's happening in my family. It's a lot of a level of connection that we would not have even dreamed was to be available just a few years ago. It is incredible. If you could recommend a book for Fire Nation, Dan, what would it be? Well, I've already said I read a lot. I read a lot of books and have a whole lot of them I consider essentials, but I just finished reading Robert Greene's new book called Mastery. Robert wrote a book a few years ago, 48 Laws of Power, but the new one on Mastery, it's not an easy read, but it is so in-depth in going into the minds of people like Leonardo da Vinci and Thomas Edison and Albert Einstein and what shaped their lives to make them the leaders in the areas that they are. And really one of the principles is people who have really done magnificent things are not generalists. They're experts in something. Choose an area you're going to be an expert in. So the book is Mastery by Robert Greene. So Dan, this is the last question, but it's my favorite. So take your time, digest it, and then come back at us with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew nobody. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have. Food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? 
you know, I know exactly what I've, what I would do. I guess because there's been times in my life when I woke up and I only had $500 in my pocket yeah, <laughs> and I needed to do something. Doing a service business, I would do that instantly. And I'm, by that, I mean detailing cars, washing windows, doing a little home improvements, painting somebody's house, mowing their yard, hanging a ceiling fan. I mean, there is no end to those things that are readily available that I can do instantly. If I need cash today, I can go out and do a service business and do that. So I would do that immediately. I would identify just like the t- there have been times when I've gone back to graduate school and I just identify a baseline of what I need to generate for income for our family. And so I decided, what am I going to do to create that? Sometimes it's been like painting houses. Sometimes it's been just flipping cars, just go down and you know buy a car off a repo auction, clean it up a little bit, put it in the front yard. I mean, I can make a couple thousand bucks a month doing that. You know, any time, any economy, it doesn't matter. So I would do that. I would do something like that so that I would create those immediate needs. But I would immediately also use my laptop, start creating content to encourage and inspire other people. That has worked wonders for me. And I don't think it would take long to build back to the business that I have today. And I would do it exactly intending to get back to where I am today. And in that new world, like that with an internet connection, I could do it a whole lot faster than what I did the first time. <laughs> Dan, that was great actionable advice. And you've given us awesome actionable advice this entire interview, and we are all better for it. Give Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance, then give yourself a plug, and then we'll say goodbye. Well, if there's one piece of advice, it's, it's never too late to start. It's just like you said with the Chinese proverb about the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. But if you didn't do it then... The best time is today. I talk to a lot of people who are, you know, 45 years old, 50 years old or whatever, and they say, well, I missed my window of opportunity. I'm like, are you kidding me? Why would you say that? Take the first 50 years of your life, get a variety of experiences. If you can, at that point, sit down, really figure it out what you're wired to do, you can go into the most productive 20 years of your life. So it's never too late. That would be my bit of advice. In terms of how to find me, we have lots of resources at 48days.com. There's tons of resources there just to help people in this process of finding your passion, putting legs on that so you can monetize that, put that into a form that's going to give you fulfillment, meaning, and profits. And then also we've got 48days.net. 48days.net, we just this morning as we're recording this just hit 12,000 members. Wow. I just, I just love what's happened there. I mean, it's just a community of people. And we reject a whole lot of people who put in applications. We reject about 22% of people who put in applications because we aren't looking for just bodies or whiners or complainers or somebody looking for a handout. We're looking for people who are serious about being entrepreneurs and rule benders and big thinker, thinkers and thought leaders, world changers. And those are the kind of people. And when I see what's happening there just by giving people an umbrella under which to share ideas... They share readily, but in it's that old adage, uh, a rising tide raises all ships. Yeah. If we help other people be successful, guess what? It raises our own success. So 48days.com, 48days.net, lots of resources there. Dan, that will all be linked up in the show notes. Thank you so much for being generous with your time, your expertise, your experience. Fire Nation, we salute you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks so much, John. It's been a delight being with you. Okay, Fire Nation, are you inspired enough to start your entrepreneurial journey? 
you need to begin with a platform and your platform is your website. I've created a video that will take you through the process of buying your domain, installing WordPress, and creating your first post all in under seven minutes. Visit entrepreneuronfire.com slash blue to find out how to access this great video and take your entrepreneurial leap today. Thank you for joining us at entrepreneuronfire.com, your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.